The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for a mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and hosts. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Oh, hey there. Welcome to another fun and action-packed edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Memes Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny. How are you guys? I hope this podcast finds you well. I have the great privilege and honor to be interviewing one of the top police chiefs in the country. I have the one, the only, Chief Sheriffs of the River City Police Department on the podcast I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation. Very eye-opening, some of the changes that they have made to make their city better and their police department better. Really, it's going to be a a great learning experience, and I think there's going to be a whole lot of growth for a lot of people. And uh, just an amazing leader, fearless leader of the River City Police Department. Now, before we get into that, i got to give big thanks to the folks over at OfficerPrivacy.com. As you know, every single podcast on Sunday has been sponsored by our good friends over there, and they are huge in making this podcast possible. Hopefully, keep your minds off all the crazy crap going on in the world right now. But if you've never listened to podcasts before, maybe you need reminded, what is officer privacy? Go to Google right now. Put in your name, city you live in. All these people search sites are going to come up. And you are going to be amazed at how much information is just there for the taking. Now, if you're in law enforcement or or even if you're not, why do you want that information there? Could be, you know, anything from the the crazy ex to some kind of stalker or, you know, you arrest somebody and they take it personally and now they're going to find your house. Or you get involved in one of these critical incidents and all the fine folks over on Reddit and Twitter decide to find your address and dox you and put your information online. And now all of a sudden you have a mob in front of your house. It's where officer privacy comes in. It's a very stress-free experience. I pay for the service myself. I have their premium service. It's great. I look up my name. It's not there. I'm a ghost. I don't exist. I love having that peace of mind. Officer privacy has got a couple ways that they can help. They got the do-it-yourself option. Officer Privacy created a custom, easy-to-use software program so you can quickly navigate through the top 30 people search sites and delete your information. They have instructions for each and every site, and they include a simple way to keep track of it all. They provide access to their software free for 14 days. Plenty of time to go through these sites and remove your information. Or, be like me, sign up for the premium service. Their staff of former and U.S.-based law enforcement officers will remove your information from the top 30 people search sites. Then they monitor those sites, and if you show up again, they remove you again. 
It's a fantastic service. I can't say enough about it. Go take your privacy back. Go check out officerprivacy.com. All right, without any further ado, and out of pure laziness, no musical guest, we'll be right back with Officer Sheriff of the River City Police Department. And now for something completely different. All right, now welcome to the podcast. One of the best police chiefs in the country, and I can't believe that we're getting him on this podcast so we can really talk about the changes that he's affected in his city. I have Chief Sheriff of River City, California. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. But if you could refer to me as they or them, that's my preferred pronouns. I am so, I am so sorry. I, I mean, what can I do to make that better? I'm, I'm really sorry that that happened. You know, uh, it, it's, it, it happens. It's misgendering happens quite frequently. And uh, the best way to handle it is just like what we did. And then just move on like nothing happened. Okay. Okay. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. So let me ask you, what are your preferred pronouns? Um, I prefer personally Apache attack helicopter. I don't know if that's okay or not. Uh, You can, you know what? This is is America is home of the free and it's a new, it's a new era. I mean, we've got, I mean, look at our vice president, Kamala Harris. Oh, I love her so much. Uh, You know, she, she used to be my prosecutor a long time ago. And it's just so cool to see how far she's come and to see a black woman in the vice presidency. I mean, to be honest, we all know what's going to happen to Joe. And when Joe finally moves on and we get her in there, oh, everybody will realize how, how advanced we really are as a society and like preferred pronouns and stuff like that. It's just like an everyday thing. It's really the most important thing. I think so. I think, you know, feelings, we police based on feelings. And, you know, I know our crime rate's going up, but man, everybody feels good. And that's what's important. Yeah, I don't, I think people too often associate crime with bad things. Sometimes people need to take something that we might not think it's theirs, but it's, it's really more important for them to have it than for me to have it. And so I think sometimes crime is just really misunderstood. And I love that you're taking this approach in your city to really make sure that people feel good, including justice-involved people. Oh, I tell you, we forget in law enforcement, we forget about the justice-involved. And, you know, part of that is giving them the proper name. Like, look, the the people that are leaving law enforcement right now, thank, thank goodness they're leaving right now. But the people that call them suspects, I mean... To put a tag on somebody like that, and, and the worst things when they call them perps or well, back east, they have horrible names like mud or something like I mean, it just, I mean, how racist. I mean, like the 50s want your, want your sayings back. And, you know, to hear justice involved, and, and to be honest, I don't think that goes far enough. I think we have to find better adjectives to describe people that have committed a crime because look, a lot of times it isn't their fault that they committed these crimes. You know, we need to take that into consideration and, and, and help them find a new way out. And part of that is putting the proper label on there. I completely agree. Before we talk about all the great things you've done for River City and all the justice-involved people, can you tell me a little bit about how long they have been a cop? Yeah, so I've been a cop for, uh, I hate to say it, I've been a cop for 29 years. And I, I know it's a long time, but it gives me perspective from where we were. Uh, you know, I, 
I became a cop right around when Rodney King incident happened. And I saw what they did to that poor man. I know he was on PCP. I know he was running from the cops. I know he was resisting arrest. And I know a couple of baton strikes didn't work. But that doesn't mean you just get a free for all on somebody like that. And that was just so horrible. And I thought to myself, I was a young cop then. And I thought, I am going to change law enforcement. And I had a vision of what I wanted to do. You know, uh, I had the background to do it. I mean, after uh, I went to UC Berkeley, which is a wonderful school, and I got my degree in restorative justice. When I when I graduated, I, I didn't think I was ready for the workforce yet. So I got my master's in feminist studies. And then I waited on tables for a while because I just couldn't find the right job. And then I got hired by River City Police Department. They took a chance and they made me a parking meter attendant. And I shined. I did such a good job. I was so studious. I felt really good. And within a year, they made me a police officer. And that was one of my proudest moments ever. And I realized this is my chance to change things. I wanted to ask, because you're such a visionary, when you when you first started and you you came to superiors with your, your ideas, did people laugh at you? Oh, of course. They were a bunch of boomers. You know, they were a bunch of old Vietnam vets that are angry at the world. You know, and look, man, they had their chance to really, you know, bring bring the department around and they were they were stuck in their old ways but i knew that they would all die off from heart attacks and whatever bad you know they're all just ate unhealthy they ate meat i mean who eats meat anymore so you knew it was a matter of time before they would die from a heart attack and when they all left i promoted up and i started making my changes and it really it was my past work history the assignments that i held that really prepared me for chief now, before we talk about your assignments that you had, let's let's get to know you a little bit better. So you said you, you waited tables, you know, before getting into law enforcement. What other types of jobs did you have? Uh, really, that was it. Uh, I waited tables. I learned, I learned a lot doing that. You know, I, that's where I cut my teeth and I got to meet all sorts of different people. Uh, I was a community activist for a while, but it was all volunteer kind of stuff, you know. Uh, I was down at People's Park in Berkeley, you know, protesting apartheid and, and you know, uh, you know, uh, rights for, uh, you know, for gender equality. You know, really, it was stuff that we take for granted now that is normal. I really fought for that stuff back there, you know, especially when we look at transgender rights and how they were treated. Uh, really, it would, that, that was my job was working in the community. And, you know, it was all volunteer time. That's really brave of you. Thank you. Have you worked any other police departments besides River City, or that's the only place you've ever worked? So I've worked only at River City, but I did do a stint at the Oakland Police Department as an exchange officer. Now, I don't know if you know what's going on in Oakland. They have a, they have a consent decree, and the federal government is kind of running things there right now. And... That's because they were just a bunch of cowboys running wild. You know, I mean, sure, Oakland's crime rate was much lower and the homicide rate is higher now. But, you know, they were doing things like, you know, proactive police stops, traffic stops, 
you know, just these things that really target just involved people or our BIPOC community. And so I went there when the federal monitor started so I can look at some of the things that they were implementing. Because to be honest, it, it was under President Obama's time. And I mean, you remember how he wanted to do police reform. And he's done. He, he was a great, fearless leader of law enforcement. He was. He did so much for law enforcement, right? And so I wanted to take what, you know, because obviously he told the federal monitor what to do. They were the first agency to ever be taken over by federal government. We know how good the federal government works. I mean, you know, it was going to have to be good. And so I went over there as an exchange uh, captain and I went over there and saw what they did. And I just, and I started taking some of the stuff that they were doing and implemented RCPD. And, you know, I've said a long time for a long time that Oakland is a model agency and it's one to follow, you know? And so I took what they did and I started implementing it at RCPD. Yeah, I so, know Oakland's one of those great departments where they stopped stopping people for traffic violations, right? Because they don't yeah. want to harm the community. Exactly. When you make traffic stops, the chances of hurting a person of color increases substantially. And you really got to ask yourself, is it really worth it to stop a car for no registration that's going to result in a shooting? Now, sure, you know, that these... these Old time cops are going to say, look, you know, yeah, we stopped him for expired registration, but he had a gun and he had felony warrants and he shot at us. But that's not an excuse. This whole thing started with expired registration. Why are we doing that? You know, or they'll say, oh, it was expired registration, but the car was stolen in a carjacking where the guy had a gun. So what? It started with expired registration. Why are we doing that? Yeah, there's no reason to put the community at risk like that. These are good, no, not hardworking, honest folk. And again, like I to harp back on what I said before is sometimes people don't have the things they need, so they have to go out and get them. And I don't necessarily think that needs to be a crime. If if you're more privileged than somebody else to have a car, that's on you. Now I don't know. Let's go back and say let's go over what you just said. I didn't. I don't think you realized your own implicit bias in your own statement where you said folk. Now, folk could be, you said those folk. Now, what do you mean by those folk? I, I know that it was harmless on, on your part, but there's a connotation we're saying folk goes back to slavery times. And it's your own implicit bias that hides what you do and what you say and what really happens. And I, I'm telling you that, that that's one of the things that I implemented was implicit bias training throughout RCPD. Our officers get it every three months. Because we need to remember, we have these little biases and we can't let that come out. I'm so glad that you reminded me of that because I guess I'm just lost. And I, I apologize. Again, I, I hate, you know, we're only a few minutes into this and I'm already apologizing for really injustices. So I, again, everybody listening, I'm really sorry. I, I wasn't thinking about what I said before I said it. And if anybody was offended or triggered, I'm, I really hope that you accept my sincere apology. It's okay. It's re you, did you recognize it is the most important thing. And, you know, it just comes back to, we are in a patriarchal system that just breeds this type of behavior. 
And you know, I'm telling you, when Kamala Harris gets in, everything is going to change. And I pray that Eric Swalwell, my, my representative, that Eric Swalwell becomes the vice president. Oh, I mean, it's going to be a changed world. He will do a fantastic job. Not many people know that uh, Representative Eric Swalwell, if you guys don't remember, well, I assume, I, look, I, I thought a little bit differently of you. I looked at the PM, PM memes, and I, I got to tell you, I thought it was a, a full of misogyny and some other things that were just bad. But I got to tell you, you're actually, it looks like you're trying to make a change, which is the whole purpose of coming on here is I hope that I can change your way of thinking. And, you know, I, I assume that most of your people that listen to you are, the typical January 6th kind of crowd. And, you know, some of you guys might remember Eric Swalwell is the guy that he got really upset and said he was going to nuke gun owners. And I, I talked to him about that. He, he, you know, he admitted that things got the best of him, you know, but a lot of people don't realize Eric's brother and father are law enforcement officers and they're great guys too. And, you know, it, it shows that Eric's heart is with law enforcement and that he thinks about us first all the time, just like Kamala. Kamala was our attorney general for years. She did a wonderful job. Now, I know the San Francisco officers were mad at her because she wouldn't seek the first degree death penalty for Eric or for Isaac Espinosa's death. But look, the guy was a gang member and, you know, he grew up in a bad, you know, a bad lifestyle and he didn't really need to do what he did. So Kamala, I think she was forward thinking about that. She's really forward thinking about everything. Has she ever come into your department and, and taught any of these implicit bias classes? Oh, she's too big for us. No, gosh, no. We're just little RCPD. Uh, I doubt she even remembers us, but you, we remember her. I, you brought up the implicit bias training a little earlier. And one of my favorite training classes that I got on top of the implicit bias training, which it sounds like you guys get it a whole lot more. You know, we only got it once a year, but you guys get it. I'm sorry. I, again, I, I'm saying you guys and that I'm sure that doesn't properly reflect your department. So I, I apologize, but your department gets those trainings at least four times a year. The one that my department gave, which I really liked was kind of the introduction to communism. Because I, I don't think cops really understand that, you know, people deserve to have their basic needs met by the government. And so that was really eye-opening to me as far as, you know, equity and, and things like that. Do you guys teach any classes like that? Well, you got to be careful. You can't use the C word like that because it's going to make the one six crowd really angry. The way you do it is you implement training under a progressive Democrat, uh, you know, slate. And really what it is, is it's, it's more socialism. But in the end, ultimately, yeah, it could be the C word, right? But it was good. I mean, look, look at Russia and Venezuela. It, it helped them, right? Uh, but if you use the C word, you just come out and say that, oh, the, the one six crowd is just going to drown you out. And honestly, they kind of scare me. So really... Uh, the best way to do it is you do a course on government systems and what government systems work with a heavy emphasis on progressive policy that will 
has a bit of socialism in it, like you know, European socialism, that's acceptable to people. And then you kind of, as the classes go on, then you slip in a little bit more. And then that way, what happens, it's like a, it's like a boiling frog. After a while, they don't realize that they've, now the one six people say indoctrination, and that is so wrong. It's not indoctrination. It's, it's learning concepts. It's basic adult learning. And they, we basically deprogram them from that whole Reagan, Bush, just that horrible way of thinking that suppresses communities and, you know, hurts people in the long run and, you know, just brings forth a, a better relationship between the people and the government. I know you don't like me using the C word, but, and maybe it's just, maybe I'm just a little braver than you are, which is okay. I mean, we're all different, but I don't think we've really tried true communism. And if we did, people would really know, and this country would be so much better for it. Oh, of course. You know, and we see, uh, you know, if we had a better leader, Joe, I mean, he's, you, you can see he's a little forgetful. Uh, but if we got a better leader in there to show a little bit more, I mean, we're getting a little taste of it right now. And I mean, I think we're better for it. You know, we've, we, we've given the people a lot of money, which allowed them to stay home and, and spend more time with their families and become a little bit more dependent upon the government. Uh, but we have a long ways to go. The, the biggest problem that we have right now is the, is the Supreme Court. If we can, and you, we saw that in the last couple of weeks, it was pretty horrible. I don't know if you noticed that um, we're offering free abortions for any of our officers, even for the ones that identify as female, even if they were assigned male at birth. And, you know, we're, we're doing some things to counter that, but we're going to have to expand the court in order to get the full effect of, you know, oh, communism sounds such a bad word. We've got to find a better adjective, but progressive socialism. And I don't know why people are against packing the court that's the only way that the things I want done are going to get done. I don't, yeah, that, it, it makes at, no sense to me that people are against that because it's going to be the best thing for me and what I want to happen. And right now the court as it is, it's packed with a bunch of people that were nominated by Trump. No one wants that. And they're changing this country. And so we need to make the rules fair. And so we need to change the rules to make them fair. We should be careful about saying the Trump word that really triggers people. And we should be careful. Uh, I prefer that man. Yeah, if that's the proper pronoun, he definitely identifies as a man. And I just prefer that man. And then that way it doesn't trigger people as much. But um, I, 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 I actually look at Clarence Thomas. What a racist. He has done more to harm the BIPOC community than anybody else. And I know you have a lot of those hardcore conservative people listening. BIPOC is biracial and people of color. And it's the proper way to address the community that's often underrepresented, underrepresented, underrepresented. And actually, the people that are harmed by Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Did he forget where he came from? I think he did. I, you know what? I, I think he's pretending. He is actually, well, I hate to label him, but he, he is acting like a typical Caucasian man. And, you know, it just it's disgusting. And I think the only way out of it is by packing the court and getting a few more, you know, letting 
let's not do it while Joe is here. Let's wait till Kamala gets in there. She looks great. I love Kamala. I can't say that enough. Oh, oh no, I, my, I have the bumper sticker. So oh, she's my she's my cheat. Everybody gets that holiday, right? If you ever get a chance, right? That's my holiday right there. If if I ever get the chance, oh, can't wait. Um, so anyways, you know, when Kamala gets in there, I think that's the time to make all the appointments. And if we made, let's say, 10 appointments under Kamala, that should keep the court under control for the next 30 years. I agree. I honestly, I would do 15 to 20 just to keep it on the right side for at least 100. Mm, I agree. I agree. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about my buddy Brad Williams over at Police Fit. You guys see him on the page every single Monday on Poorly Made Police Memes. Brad's going to help the new applicants and active officers smash their fitness and regain their health. Brad has 11 years experience in the fitness industry, 17 years in the military, and is also a first responder. He's going to share his experience and expertise to help applicants get their dream job and help active first responders regain their health. That's Police Fit, and I'll have a link for you on the podcast description. Back to the podcast. So let's let's jump back more into policing. So you you rose through the ranks of the police department over 29 years. How long have you been the chief for? Well, I've been the chief for a long time. So, so I worked in patrol for a year. That includes my FTO time. And just after a year, I was doing such a good job. I went to a grant writing position. And I did the grant writing position for only two years before I got promoted to sergeant. So I feel that, uh, you know, they must have seen something in me to make me a sergeant within three years. When I was a sergeant, I worked in interanal affairs for three years and I got promoted to lieutenant. And I got to tell you, IA was the absolute best job I ever had. I loved it. I got to hold bad cops accountable. You know, the ones that came in with these IAs, it's like, you, you had to have screwed up to get an IA. I mean, come on. Why else are you there? I would love yeah. to hear more about some of these officers you held accountable. What kind of stuff well, were you seeing there? We had one officer. Are you ready for this? This person comes in and would leave Fox News on the TV all the time. Are you serious? And, 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 and back then, he would wear a Bush for president hat. And it just triggered everybody. And I know he was doing it on purpose. And then one day he showed up wearing a shirt that said, kill a commie for mommy. Oh, what? What? How can you wear that in River City? I mean, that just shows bad judgment. We did our IA and we found, obviously he was guilty because we saw, we, when he came into the uh, interview, he was wearing it again. You know, as if, you know, to just flaunt his conservatism. And we can't have that because we're keepers of the peace. You know, we're, we're, we're guardians of the peace. And how could you be a guardian if you got a shirt that says kill a commie for mommy? So we terminated him and it needed to happen. You know, we, we had, um, oh gosh, we had one officer that had so much use of force. I mean, he was making a lot of car stops. And I mean, he was getting a lot of drugs, but I mean, come on, drugs is a, is, a, is a public health issue. It's not a crime. 
yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe that there's drug laws still on the books. I don't. Why are we? Why are we going after these people? So I, California's there's, doing there's a no wonderful reason. job. No, so California's doing a wonderful job right now. Uh, they pretty much decriminalized all your standard drugs, you know. And the nice thing about that is the district attorneys who were replacing with Soros-backed people, which is working out really well. Shout out to San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Contra Costa counties. You guys have done a wonderful job with your Soros-backed DAs, right? I mean, George Gascon. Oh, what a great man. And then Ochesa Boudin, it was a shame that the San Francisco voters got rid of him. I mean, he was really progressive in what he was doing, right? I think there was some voter fraud there, to be honest with you. Oh, absolutely. You know, voter fraud happens when it's like that. This whole Trump thing, I said his name, I'm so sorry. That man, you know, where he was claiming all this stuff and created that hula baloo on on 1-6. You know, I mean, come on, that was... uh, you know, that, that's just a farce. But in San Francisco, getting rid of Chesa Boudin, I mean, it's San Francisco. How are you going to get rid of Chesa Boudin? Come on, man. You know, so look, you know, oh, we've got that 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 young lady over at Contra Costa County. I'm trying to remember her name. She came out with this great policy that if people are are protesting, I don't like using the R word. I mean, writing is so, such a harsh word. They were protesting. That if people ended out stealing something during their protest, the cops had to prove that that person didn't need it. I mean, what a visionary, right? Well, just a visionary. And so they've taken the drug laws. The the DAs have decided not to charge any of these, you know, sales cases. So I'll give you an example. There was a man in L.A. County recently that was stopped and he got he had four hundred and fifty pounds of methamphetamine in a meth lab and they gave him probation that is absolutely the right thing to do now all those conservatives are saying that oh but it was five dosage units of meth for every single man woman and child in the state of california oh look not everybody's going to do that right and to be honest if we just tested the meth and put it back out to the public at least we know they're using safe meth right it's called harm reduction neanderthals right but to give that man probation, that's exactly what needed to happen. But we, we should have taken a step farther and we should have put him in protective custody and protected him because the cartels are mad at him for losing that much dope and they want to kill him. And, you know, I, I think I think George uh, Gascon screwed up by not putting him in protective custody to protect his life. But, you know, it's a start. It's we're going in the right direction. Yeah. And, and- so going back, yeah, but go back to that IA. We had this officer just going out and arresting all these people for drugs. Why are you doing that? I told him to stop. You know, I took him to the side, told him it's not doing anything. He needs to stop. And he said, oh, okay, Lieutenant. And he moved on. But then he kept doing it. So we we just, we got rid of him. You know, we did an internal affairs investigation because of his, you know, ongoing, you know, just harassment of the BIPOC community. I'm really glad that, you know, because a lot of times these IA investigators, you know, it, it's really the police investigate themselves and then they clear themselves. You guys, yeah. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. They are out there fighting the true, the true criminals, which are cops. You got, you, they are out there fighting these cops and I'm so proud of you. Yeah, thank you. So one of the things that we've, we've done is we have a police commission and on the police commission, 
it's mandatory that one of those posts is held by somebody that was beat by the police. And then another one is held by somebody that is convicted felon. And even convicted felon is such a harsh term. You know, I mean, it's been somebody that's been through court and they had a felony crime that they can't get off their record. And we have those the systems people. rigged anyway. It is. And so we have three people on our on our police board and two are held by by them and they're, they're keeping everybody sane. And the best part is our internal affairs investigations. It's not determined by me and it shouldn't be determined by me. I'm the chief, which chief is such a horrible. I mean, it, it's just taking it from the, uh, you know, American uh, American Native American community. You know, it's, it's a stolen it's cultural appropriation is what it is. And we're trying to redefine a new term for chief, but we'll, we'll get back to that baby steps here. Uh, but I shouldn't be reviewing those IAs for punishment. And so I forward it to the police commission and those three people decide who, you know, what, what punishment is going to be meted out. And, you know, a lot of people get fired, but it's because they're doing the wrong things. And then we just hired a more progressive officer, younger with a more advanced degree, like feminist studies, uh, African um, African studies, or something like that. You guys aren't hiring. Like, I am so sorry. I have this nasty habit, and I I will, I will, I will break it. But your department is not hiring Caucasian males anymore, correct? No, we don't do that. We have enough already. We want a lot of a lot of departments strive for matching their community makeup if there's you know 10% African American and we have 10% African American officers if we're 50% women then we should have 50% women but really 50% women what about the people that identify as women or what about the people that identify as man it's really it's kind of outdated uh, we don't hire Caucasian males meaning they were assigned their birth now if they choose to be female in transition, then we'll take them and we'll pay for their transition too. But uh, we don't hire the typical Caucasian man because they tend to be more violent. And to be honest, you know, if we have a shooting, I really don't want it to be a Caucasian man because it just complicates things. Yeah, that's that's no joke. But to to be honest, why are you got why is your department still why why do you have guns? That makes no sense you're going to harm the justice involved people. I don't, to be honest, I don't think you're being progressive enough. Why does your department still have guns? Answer that. First, uh, first, I am very happy that you're catching yourself when you say guys, because it is so offensive. I don't identify as guys. In fact, a majority of my department doesn't identify as, as a guy. They identify as, as male or female or Z. Uh, we have a few people identify Z a lot that identifies them. Um, but just guys, is, it's just offensive. You're just stuck in that world, you know, that typical conservative white man world. You know, I am so change. ashamed of being white. Uh, you should. You know what? And that, that's good that you recognize that. And you'll see in the comments on social media, I'll, I'll point out that people have their white fragility is showing. And, you know, I'm glad that you're recognizing because it shows that you're trying to control that white fragility and make sure you get it under control. I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Now, getting rid of guns. We try to get rid of guns. You know, 
I want to get rid of them, but I'm being stopped by our police officers association. It, it, it's like a union. And those guys just keep getting in the way. I mean, they say they're there for office and rights, but I think they're just there to keep corrupt officers in place. Um, you know, we're fighting with the union over that. Uh, the POA will have to submit at some point because when we go to negotiations, I'm just going to cry poor and take money away from them. You know, or you know what I'll do? I'll just bring more pizza. Pizza makes everybody happy. And then that'll make them give up their guns. Because without guns, we won't have any of these, you know, horrendous shootings of people that we see on the news every day. Yeah, I I am disappointed at your department because still there's involvement with shootings. And I think it's 2022. It's irresponsible for the police cannot be the judge and jury. And it's unnecessary that you're putting your community at risk. And I think you need to be better. So I agree. And one of the things that we're working on is we're working with the University of River City. And they're trying to design bullets. They're actually like little tasers. And so uh, when you shoot somebody, it's just like, it just stuns them. And it's, it's pretty, it works pretty good. Now I tell you, but that's still, that's still causing pain to the justice involved person. I don't think you're doing enough. How many people have been hurt by tasers and pepper spray and batons? You need to do better. I, I agree. And what we have done is I think we're pretty progressive. One of the things that we've done is we've tried to be leaders in the community in reducing violence. So we don't even have the need to do any of that. So we took this from the Sacramento Police Department, their public information team. Oh, Sacramento PIOs, if you guys are listening, I love you. I, you're my inspiration for a lot of what I do right now. Uh, Sacramento was doing walks in the park to reduce gun violence. What an amazing idea. And so I talked to the, to the professors of criminal justice at University of River City, and they did a study and found that doing community walks in the park, like what Sacramento is doing, it's reducing gun violence by 75%. It's just amazing. So we're now implementing that. We haven't seen any, any downtick in our crime. We've actually seen a little bit of an uptick. But those, those community walks make everybody feel better. And Sacramento police, thank you so much for what you're doing. That was, that, that was amazing. And it pointed us in the right direction. While we're on the topic of guns, recently, did you guys participate? Oh, there it is again. I am. Forgive me. I'll, I'll forgive you. I just don't know if the rest of River City is going to forgive you. I, I have to be better. The department took part in a gun buyback program, correct? Yes, we do them quite frequently. How, how does that go? What's the... What's the reception from the community? You know, I tell you, it's great. We, we, people turn in their guns like crazy. They're not good guns, you know, but they're, they're, there's one less gun on the street. But one thing that we find out that works really well, and again, thank you, Sacramento PD. You guys were the vision for this. We found that we're recovering a lot of crime guns by doing that. By letting people just turn them in, we find out their guns that were committed in homicides. 
So at least we have the gun that was used in a homicide off the street. And that, that's really important. I mean, we don't have the person connected to that gun, but at least it's off the street. And we found the gun buybacks, like what Sacramento's doing, and they're such visionaries. We found that's the that people use that as a venue to turn in their their justice-involved guns. And uh, it it helps out. It makes us feel better. Now, we've kind of we've kind of jumped around a little bit. After I, IA, what was they's next move? Oh, yeah, that's right. So after I, I worked in inter, uh, interanal affairs for three years, and then I got promoted to lieutenant. And as a lieutenant, I was in charge of community relations, community policing, internal affairs, training. Uh, I was in charge of animal control. I don't like the term animal control. I like SPCA better, but we're, we're trying to fix that. And you know, I, I, I shined there for, for a year and then I got promoted to captain and I was captain for two years before our chief had to leave because, uh, you know, to be honest, he was a bad man and he was doing bad things. And I was a shoe in my, I have a very progressive city council. We agreed on a lot of things. We, we had a lot of common ground and, uh, you know, I, I, I am white and i was assigned male at birth i mean i don't identify as male but i was assigned male at birth and that's very tough to get promoted into a chief's job in california as what's perceived to be as a white man now i don't perceive myself as being white i perceive myself as being part of the bipoc community and i definitely don't identify as a man um but they took a chance on me and i got the job and i go out every day trying to show them that I am not what they think I am through their own implicit bias and show that I am trying to implement what I want to do when I first saw Rodney King when I first started. You mentioned that the former chief was a bad man. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, there's litigation still pending. Uh, let's just say it was, it was a moral issue. And uh, it was a moral issue that was on duty. And we'll just leave it at that. Okay. I respect that. What was the reception of the officers on that apartment when you were made chief? Oh, there was some people that were upset, you know, but it, I got to tell you, it was that it was the people that shouldn't have been cops to begin with. Their, their times ended in the seventies and it was time for them to go. And a lot of them quit. And that was great. And I replaced them with people that were more educated. They had, better credentials and better represented the uh, River City community. And so uh, I did fire some of my command staff because to be honest, they, they were your typical, like they were white men. They were, it is what it is. They, that's what they identified as too. And they were just harmful to our community. And I just told them, uh, hey, thanks for your time. But, uh, you know, maybe you should go become a cop in Idaho or Utah or like Iowa or something like that. And so they did and they left. And it's better for California because at least they don't vote here now too. Um, a lot of our officers retired and moved to Idaho too. Go, Idaho can go have them. We don't need them. And uh, I went out and, and got these nice progressive officers and they love me. I mean, I, I give them what they want. And, you know, it, and people complain about dealing with, you know, uh, you know, the different, the younger generation, but they're refreshing. We've had to change some schedules where everybody gets a weekend off. Um, 
but we've worked it out to where you only have to work one weekend. And then it's tough around Christmas because they all want to take Christmas off. So uh, really what we do is I just tell everybody to call in sick and let the sheriff's department take the city over for a while. They're a bunch of old school wife beaters, you know, so they can take over for a while. But my guys are happy and that's what's important. Did you just say your guys? I did. Oh, I've been talking to you for so long. You got me doing it. Oh, no. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm rubbing off on you. My apologies. You know what that is? That's my old implicit bias coming out. We're going to have to increase our training to once a month. <laughs> oh, I, now, I, here's, okay. here's something else that really frustrates me. I, I appreciate that they is trying to get the officers the time off they need and deserve during Christmas. That's respectable. But you're leaving your community really in a harm's way with the sheriff's department. I, I find yes. that very irresponsible. You know that so Sheriff Green runs River County. He he is a racist. He's a bad man, and he only responds to nine one one calls in our city. And he's made it clear he doesn't want to come help us, and we don't want his help. But you know how it is with the younger officers on Christmas; they all want it off. And to be honest, they deserve it. I mean. That's how they grew up by getting everything. So we should be giving it to them. And, uh, you know, it's for that one day we tell all of our citizens that the sheriff's department is going to take over for Christmas and everybody, you know, I, I can tell you our crime rate goes down on Christmas when the sheriff's department comes in. Um, and, you know, we make it up to them on the next day. We, we don't, wow, I don't know how we, how do we phrase that? Um, I don't just come out and say it, but everybody just knows that Look, we're going to turn a blind eye on the 26th. You know, just go do what you're going to do. Have a makeup day. Since you've been chief, what are some of the changes that you're most proud of? Oh, man. I brought forth this computer program called Blue Team. And Blue Team is an internal affairs software for the makers of Blue Team. Shout out. You guys are doing a wonderful job. And what it does is, is every day the supervisor opens up their dashboard and they look and officers are either green, yellow, or red, just like a stoplight. If they're green, those officers are good to go. If they're yellow, we need to intervene with the officer before they turn to red. And when they turn to red, oh, we need to do something now. It's, a, it's almost too late. And the blue team tracks all of the officers' arrests. It tracks all of their uses of force, all their citizen complaints. And everything goes in there. And so as an example, if you have three uses of force in a year, you go to yellow. Because to be honest, you obviously, if you have three uses of force, three use of forces a year, you obviously don't know how to talk to people. And your de-escalation is not very good. And so we need to, we need to intervene. And if you hit four, you're red. We automatically start an internal affairs investigation. We put the officer on desk duty, and then we figure out if basically if we're going to terminate them or not. Uh, so blue team, shout out. I love it. And if your department is using it for the listeners out there, you are so fortunate to have blue team. I love it. I did another thing. We, we use a program uh, for, of predictive policing. And basically, it's software that tells us where crime is going to happen in the city. Now, a lot of the older guys said, 
well, I know where the crime, when we implement it, they'd be like, oh, there's going to be crime at the corner of Cesar Chavez and Martin Luther King, you know, and, and predictive policing program said that's, that's where the highest crime rate was Cesar Chavez and Martin Luther King. And, you know, I, I gotta tell, I gotta tell you, uh, this old Neanderthal way of thinking, the computer should be telling us where to go, to be honest. And so the computer actually narrows it down to a specific time of day. And uh, the officers is hooked up to their GPS so that the officer has to park his car exactly where that box is. And then they sit there for as long as the computer tells them to. So sometimes it might be for a half an hour, sometimes it might be two hours. And they sit there in the box and, and on a side note, I love it because it's like a little hell for them. You know, they have to sit there and just suffer. And, you know, because they're police officers, they, they should suffer. That's, that's what we do. It, it needs to remind us to be more human. And so they sit in the box and then it will prevent crime. And then we won't have to use force. So for the makers of the predictive policing software program, amazing. Please keep it up. Don't make any improvements. The box, uh, sometimes the box actually is on a sidewalk or in a place that makes it hard for the officer to park. But what we found is that officers are using just great ingenuity of parking their patrol car in a certain way so that the, the uh, predictive policing software kind of captures that and gets them in there. So it's helping them with their problem solving skills. It, it's wonderful. Also implemented a system where every arrestee is given an internal affairs phone number and a pamphlet to make a complaint when they're released. In fact, they can make it straight from the jail. Now, we got this idea from the Oakland Police Department. Shout out Oakland PD. You guys did a wonderful job with, with that as part of the whole federal monitor program. And, you know, really what I, what I ended up doing is I ended up increasing the numbers. And I followed Oakland PD's lead on this. It's such a great idea, Oakland. I went ahead and uh, increased the size of our internal affairs unit so that they are bigger than our criminal investigations unit. Because really, policing the police is more important than well, policing crime. And so these are just. I don't some like of the that you got, you call it. I don't like that you call it the criminal investigation unit. Shouldn't it be the justice involved persons investigation? I agree. Investigation you know unit? what? You know what? I agree. I have not thought about that, and it is oppressive. You know, to be honest, they don't do much anymore because our officers on the street kind of handle everything. Uh, they're good at taking, you know, our detectives are good at taking two-hour lunches. Um, I think you're right. I think we need to change that to justice-involved investigations unit or just the justice investigations unit, JIU. I, That's thing, a wonderful idea. You, See, look, you you're are coming so around. Dude, you're coming around. Look at you. You've I, made progress in this short amount of time. Well, I, believe it or not, I've been really trying to work on myself of late, and you know, I'm, I'm really embarrassed about some of the things I've said in the past, because let's be honest, uh, the police department, police force is an oppressive unit, basically tax collectors. And we need to do better as a society to limit the ability for people to be harassed by law enforcement. So I'm fully behind defunding the cops. There's so many better services that tax dollars can pay for besides cops who are basically just harassing people trying to live their best lives. Exactly. What I did in, in, in 2020, when the defund the police movement came about, wonderful idea. I voluntarily defunded 
a large portion of our budget. And I, I, I took the money. It's very tough dealing with budgets. Um, we, we took money away from the officers and we closed a majority of units. So the officers had to go back to patrol. Uh, you know, they complained that they didn't have special assignment to go to, but you know, whatever, they're lucky to have a job, to be honest. They're lucky to be in law enforcement. And so they're oppressors, they get what they get. Exactly, exactly. And so when we gave that money back to social justice programs within the community, we opened parks. We, you know, I mean, we paid for, we, we bought, we, we now have full-time people picking poo off the street and hosing urine off the sidewalks, you know, and so it looks so much cleaner. Again, that's a much better use of the money because not everyone has access to bathrooms. Where else are you supposed to go? Exactly. So exactly. instead of criminalizing that type of activity, why aren't we just hosing it down? Which it sounds yeah. like you're on the forefront of this. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it's, it's urban camping. And what do you do when you camp in the woods? You poo in the woods. Well, when you're urban camping, what do you do? You poo on the sidewalk. That's natural. And in fact, we've given classes to people on how to poo in public. And basically, it entails of, you know, the raised curb and just sitting on there so your poo falls into the gutter. And then that way it makes it easier for everybody to clean up. And then that way you can go on with your urban camping. I, I don't appreciate how people are upset about that type of activity. It is a natural human function. And people feel the need to exploit the people that are using the city services, the city sidewalk to take part in a natural human function you have to you have to defecate you have to urinate and i just i don't appreciate people that look down upon that type of activity it's ridiculous that we're exploiting these these poor poor people well where does your dog go when he poos in public he just goes wherever it's okay for the dog but not for the person how do those the dog have normal have more rights it's ridiculous Exactly. Exactly. And that poor dog is being held captive by somebody with a chain around his neck, a bunch of Neanderthals. But, you know, I, I, we, we took a complaint the other day from an out-of-towner that came in. He, he, was, he was from, uh, where was he from? I think it was Texas or something like that. They're, they're such rude people. And uh, he was complaining because there was a man pooping in the parking lot and he was eating at a restaurant. He didn't want to look at some man pooping. And to be honest, we, we brought the poop inside so we can see it and be like, look, it looks like your poop. It looks like everybody else's poop. And you do the same thing. You just, you're lucky that you don't have to be unhoused. And maybe you should understand your white privilege a little bit better and understand you have a nice toilet to go into. One of the things I love about the department is you have a great social media. Before I talk about the department's social media, what are your thoughts on officers doing TikToks? I, I presume that takes up a big part of their day. I love TikTok. That dancing on TikTok, I love seeing dancing cops. It's because if they're not dancing, they're not shooting people, right? Am I right? And so it's just, it's so cool. And it makes people think that we're like them. I mean... So I've assigned every officer has their own TikTok. And then we have TikTok challenges of who can be the most viral. 
like who can make the most viral one, and they do such silly things. I mean, uh, you know, they just do silly dances and stuff. And uh, my favorite one is the the money. My money doesn't roll. It's like folded or whatever. It's so funny to watch them do that. And uh, you know, so yeah, we do it by everybody having their own TikTok account. And to be honest, it's they they have to do two dancing TikToks every day. In fact, you might have seen one of our officers recently. It was the one where uh, she identifies as is female, and the and the officers that are that identify as male are behind her at night with the patrol cars lit up, and she's dancing, and they've got like road flares out, and they're dancing. Oh, it's such a cute video. They did such a good job, and it put a woman role up front and showed everybody that you know she's in charge. You know. I have to say I was actually offended by that video because obviously the officer is not African-American and she's singing a song by an African-American female. And I, I really feel like that is some cultural appropriation. And I think it, it's really ridiculous that you promote that type of activity. You know, uh, so it was an African-American person that was filming it. And he acquiesced that it was okay to do it. And so oh, if he said it was okay, then I apologize. That's fine. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. And and to be honest, the, the two officers that identify as male that were in the background, they identify as African-American. And they are, I think they were born Latino, but they do like identify as African-American. And, you know, so we figured that was okay. And And these are the things that are unseen, you know, in TikTok videos. You know, you don't understand like what went into it, you know, to even get there in the first place. So, but it's good that you identify that so quickly, especially with your constant, constant term of you saying guys, everything's got to be masculine with you. It's almost like a homoerotic repressive thing that you have going on. It, it's okay to let it out if you're into men. Um, you know, it, it's a new day. Uh, but these are the things that people don't think about when they're. I will just say this. What happens behind closed doors in my house is none of your business. Okay. Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. But you have to remember if all of our promotions are based on who you sleep with. So if we don't know who you sleep with, we can't promote you. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That was, that was very one six of you. It was very, very much like a, that man move on that. You kind of took a step back, buddy. Look, I called you buddy. That's horrible. <laughs> I, I apologize. That's Canadian cultural appropriation right there. <laughs> so check yourself. You know, I'm, I'm just getting really sick and tired of your microaggressions because you think you're better than me. When in fact, we're finding out you have your own implicit bias that you really need to address. I do. We all have implicit bias. And, and you're right. I apologize for my microaggression. It's that I, I visited Idaho last week. We had a rally to drum up, you know, some more progressive values up there and being around Fox News on and country music on every single restaurant that we went to. It, it made the bad part of me come out. And I don't like it. I can't believe Fox News is allowed on the airwaves. <sighs> you know what? What, what terrible country that we live in that that type of viewpoint is allowed. You know, it's, it is, it's a repressive viewpoint. 
the only viewpoint that should be allowed is ours. That's the only way. Yep, exactly. And hey, if we have to use some, you know, mostly peaceful protests to make that happen, then that's what we do. I really don't like that conservatives hijacked that. So what? There was a few fires. You don't know how they started. So what? People took what they need and deserved. Well, look, the corporations have been repressing people for a long time. So if the people go back and burn their building down, look, man, that's just a little bit of payback for what you've been doing to the community. A hundred percent. We should probably jump back onto some of the law enforcement topics because I think sometimes when we stray away, these microaggressions occur and, and it's really not good for both of us. And I don't want you to become upset and I don't want to be upset. I believe that we just need to move on, take a deep breath. I know we don't have a lot of time, so I can't go to my safe space, but I, I, I think I'm okay to move on to something else. Can I give you a virtual hug? I, are you wearing your mask? I am. I'm wearing my mask right now because okay. you never know. I mean, it's a computer, but still, I mean, yeah. Have you been checked for monkeypox? Are you safe? I have. I have. I have not been exposed to monkeypox. I've been vaccinated, and I am triple vaxxed against COVID nineteen. Okay. Okay. I'm coming in here for that hug. Oh, virtual hug, buddy. Oh, see there again. I called you, buddy. I'm so sorry. Pat on the back. I have a lot of Canadians that listen to this podcast and they're going to spill their poutine in anger over that. You have no right to speak like a Canadian. I wish I wish I was Canadian because they have Justin Trudeau. Oh, he is such a handsome man too. And I mean, his visions, his vision for Canada is one that we should all copy. Yeah. He, he's done such great things for Canada. It's really beautiful, man. Shout out to my Canadian homies. I'm jealous. To, to jump back into your social media, which, which is fantastic because you really put the bad guys, which are the cops, on blast. And you promote healthy, justice-involved activity. And, and I'm really proud that, so the other day, you posted about two of your officers that were involved in a pursuit, which is, that's against your policy, right? You know, we haven't, not only do we have a new, no car pursuit policy, we don't allow officers to be in foot pursuit, foot pursuits either. And I'm proud to say that we have done that since before Chicago did that. Now, Chicago is getting all of the fanfare right now for doing it, but there are years, we did that 10 years ago. It's really great to see cops are being held accountable. So during this pursuit to your officers rammed a justice involved person. And you charged the officers, right? I did. Assault with a deadly weapon. I arrested them personally myself. That's leadership. I complain often about leadership. That is leadership right there. The buck stops right there. Thank you. My sergeant gave me a call. Let me know that they had been involved in a pursuit. I asked, why were we chasing somebody from the first place? And the sergeant said that he had detained the two officers and uh, that they had violated policy chasing this man. He had carjacked the vehicle at gunpoint. But again, rules are rules. We don't chase cars. And they did a pit maneuver that almost killed the justice ball person. Now, I know that he was armed. I know he carjacked somebody, but that doesn't give them the right to ram that car like that. And they, they don't know the why video. they 
They don't know why he needed the car. Get this, get this. The officers' dash cams and their body cameras were off. It was an astute citizen of the community that recorded the entire thing. And when I saw that, I knew right away we had to do something. And so uh, we're lucky George Gascon is our, is our DA. And good old George is going to ensure that those officers are prosecuted. And, you know, to make, I know there's citizens of River City that are listening right now. Rest assured that they were two dinosaurs that had no business still being, they should have retired long ago, but they were sticking around for some unknown reason. And they went back like they were policing in the 90s again. And uh, we don't have to worry about them anymore. I'm a little disappointed that you haven't pushed those officers out sooner. Again, you've done a lot of really great things and I'm really honored that you're on the podcast, but you've been a chief for a long time. Why haven't you pushed the dinosaurs out? So unfortunately, California has something called the Peace Officer Bill of Rights. And it affords dinosaurs like that certain rights. And they use it to their full extent. Hold on a second. Do you think using the term dinosaur is offensive to dinosaurs? They're not around anymore to ask. And to be honest. What if somebody identifies as a dinosaur? Well, to be honest, we're, we're really talking about white men and probably one sixers. Exactly. I have no doubt. And the, you can't be offensive to them. you, You just can't. I mean, it is what it is. Right. Um, but look, you know, because of the California has a peace officer bill of rights, I love Gavin Newsom, our wonderful, wonderful, uh, humanitarian that's in charge of California. I hope you're uh, a bunch of one. Oh, uh, can you imagine? I want him as Secretary of State. So, Kamal Harris taking over Joe. Eric Swalwell is Vice President. We can have uh, Gavin Newsom as Secretary of State. Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters is 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 the uh, oh she is uh, a national treasure. Put her in charge of defense. Put her in charge of defense, and then. Uh, I want to bring Don King out of retirement and make him our uh, in charge of the FBI. That would just be awesome. You have these really great ideas. I, I really think they should consider being Camilla's campaign manager. Oh, you should, you should send would, a, an email right after the podcast. That would be glorious. I would, I would, Camilla, if you're listening, I know I have a crush on you. I know you're my cheat holiday, but if I give you a campaign manager, I'll do you right. Mm. Anyways, sorry. The vision there was just wonderful. So Gavin Newsom is doing a wonderful job of chipping away at those peace officer bill of rights. And there will come a day where we get rid of them altogether. And when we get rid of them, then we can get rid of those older officers that are holding us back from moving into the future. I think you need to be careful too with calling them older officers because that insinuates that they're geriatric. And I think that could be offensive to grandma and grandpa. Well, again, so be they're, careful. They're, white, they're white officers. And so you can't, there's no offensive terms when it comes to white people. You can be, you can say whatever. Okay. You're right. That's fair. It's only the, it's the BIPOC community that you, you need to treat a little bit better because they were repressed, you know, 
200 years ago. We need to make up what was made, what was done to their great, great, great grandfather. We need to make up for. One of the things that you did that I just think is brave with everything going on is you released the information on all gun owners in River City. Is that correct? We did. So we did that because the Supreme Court came out and said everybody can basically have a concealed carry permit. And I did it. Is So we don't issue concealed carry permits, but River County does. And by releasing the gun owners, and we want to step further, anybody that has a registered assault weapon, which I can't believe we still have those, like the legis come on California legislature, you haven't figured out how to take those assault weapons away from people. Uh, anybody that bought a gun, anybody that filled out one of those forms, you know, and in California, we do a de- dealer record of sale. I released all those records because there was two things. Number one, people that own guns are more prone to violence, and we should all know where they live to be careful, right? And oh, the other thing I wanted to do was to make sure that nobody went out and applied that might want one. So it's more of like a blocking move. You're really out there doing, I don't want to say God's work because that is offensive and, and we all know he's not real, but you're out there doing the work that needs to be done. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm trying to set the standard. Now, after I released my data, then the attorney general, Monta from California, uh, he went ahead and released it on a state level. But he chickened out and pulled back their personal data. Now, we released their dates of birth and their um, driver's license number because, to be honest, we wanted them to get doxxed on top of that. You know, we really need to send a message to these gun owners. And uh, Shimon, on our AG, he pulled it back and said it was a mistake. And we had talked. We knew it wasn't a mistake that we were doing that. But he, he got afraid because good old NRA came out and yelled at him. And he didn't stick to his guns. I mean, sure, we'd get sued and they'd find, you know, that we were wrong. But whatever. I mean, the Constitution, there were some outdated parts of the Constitution that just need replacement. And look, when we pack the court, we'll fix that. You know, oh, and, no and to be honest, if, if we get sued, we'll have to pay, but it was worth it. We got their information out there. So it was worth money well spent. The next thing that I want to give you credit for is this really great video. And if you don't mind, I will play it about proper pronoun usage that the department put out. Oh, yes, absolutely. I love that video. Hi, my name is Johnny and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I'm Kanchi and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. If it's a signal of acceptance and respect, how do we go about creating a safe space for everybody? That's a good question. A really good way to do that is to use inclusive language. Instead of saying something like, hey, guys, you can say, hey, everyone, or... I'm so guilty of that. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, Johnny did a wonderful job putting that together. He spearheaded that. And I learned a lot from his video, too. And he took a lot of flack from that. But how brave of him to go out front wearing a pride shirt on top of that and just coming out and educating us. It's brave. Stunning and brave.
Absolutely. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the canine unit. It was gone for a while, but you brought it back, correct? We did, yes. We did bring it back. What so, were the major changes? So one of the things that I didn't like is that our dogs were biting people. And it was just, it, it's not a good thing. And so California Post. Now, for those of you from California, you know the connection between River City and California Post. For those of you that aren't from California, Post uses River City in all of their training videos. We're in every training video they do. Every form that they have has River City on it. And they do that because we are the leaders in law enforcement in California. And uh, I got to tell you, California Post, they were visionaries with canine. Uh, they came up with a policy in 2020 that came out with a with a thing called circle and bark. Just, I wish I, I, I had thought about that before. And basically we train our dogs to just circle a person and bark and they don't bite. Now, I still think that's a little too aggressive and we're trying to figure out how to make it less aggressive. So it's, it's a work in progress, but instead of shooting the person, biting the person or using some other use of force, the dog just circles and barks at them until the handler can come up and handcuff the person. And so we found that circle and bark works really well. And we're trying to figure out what we're doing studies right now with the University of River City to figure out which dogs represent a more peaceful outcome. So we know it's not going to be Malinois. Malinois are horrible dogs. They just, people should stop breeding them. And German Shepherds are aggressive too. They're like so, the one sixers of dogs. They are, no, the, the Malinois are one sixers. The German Shepherds are like, they're just Republican. But I got to tell you, so we're looking at labs and instead of circle and bark, more like wag your tail and wiggle your body, you know, like that kind of happy lab dance that they do. You know, we think that that might calm the suspect. So we brought the canine back. Excuse me, guys. sir. Oh, I say guys. And they, I I, I, and I meant to say, I'm sorry, excuse me, they. You, you said suspect. Did I say suspect? Oh, that's so horrible. Look, I... I, I don't think once apologize. a month implicit bias is enough for you. Maybe we should start the day with a one-hour session on implicit bias. I can take away the... the calls for service can wait. The calls for no, service no. can wait. No, we'll take away... We'll take the lunch break from all officers and do implicit bias training. They don't need a lunch break. They're no, oppressors. Why do they deserve lunch? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. They can, they, can, they can eat in between calls in their car. I mean, they have free time. They can figure it out. The department has a really great PIO, and that's uh, Anita Dick and Me. No, I, no, no. It's Anita Dick and Me. Dick and Me, not Dick and Me. That's oh. horrible. And she put out a video. This, she identifies as she, her. This poor girl put out, please stop on, on, you can go to our YouTube channel. Unfortunately, we don't have enough followers yet to get our own little private River City Police. So please follow us on YouTube. Just look up River City, California Police Department. And we really need that because once we get to a thousand followers, then we get our own little River City Police. But Anita did a video on a shooting that we had, which the video is very intense. It's kind of scary, to be honest. 
I um, it was so scary I had to turn it off because it really upset me. I did. Yeah, it triggered me too. But uh, the most important part is the justice involved person. We didn't kill him. Uh, unfortunately, he committed suicide. Uh, Why didn't you stop him from doing that? They, you know what? The officers were so intent on shooting him, uh, and the officers are being disciplined for poor tactics right now. So, you know, we're we're looking into procedures. But it, going back to Anita, to Ken me, Anita put out and said, "Please, please stop calling me Anita Dick and me." It is hurtful to her. She, she does have needs. She's been working long and hard for a partner. And we're hoping there'll be a happy ending for her one day. But it is hurtful for you to call her Anita Dickin' Me. It's Anita Dickin' Me. I appreciate that. But what about people that don't know how to read or enunciate? It's not their fault. And so I think by attacking them for their inability to read, which is basically white supremacy on your part, you're, you're attacking a lot of innocent people. It's not their fault. Actually, actually, if you look at your own implicit bias and your own white fragility and your own white privilege, you are educated and you're the one that called her and needed dick in me. How do you know I'm educated? Did you just assume my my education? I looked you up on LinkedIn. I'm sorry. I was stalking you. So it was your own white privilege that led you down the path to deflect this whole thing. There's some things I need to work on. I apologize. That's all right. It's okay. One of the posts that Anita put in was talking about you had an urban camper sleeping in traffic. And you wanted to ensure their safety. Yes. And you blocked the lanes of traffic. That's that's good police work. It is because we didn't have to interrupt the sleep. So you can go on our social media page. We're on Facebook and Twitter. We're River City Police. And on Instagram, we're River City PD. You can go and you can see an urban camper who decided to go to sleep in the middle of a very small, like a one foot wide uh, traffic island in a very busy intersection. It's, this is the intersection of Cesar Chavez and, and Martin Luther King. And the urban camper decided to just sleep right there. And so we went ahead and we, we took uh, six officers and uh, we shut down the all intersection all the way around. So that way it diverted traffic and people were upset. And uh, we think he had been using fentanyl. So he was asleep for quite a while. Uh, there were some people who were concerned asking if, um, Asking if he had died. He had not died. We looked at doing Narcan, but we felt false and we didn't want to take his high away from him because, again, drugs are a public health issue. Uh, so we monitored his vitals to make sure he didn't overdose. And uh, when he woke up, uh, we let him move off the traffic island when he was ready. Uh, he did poo right there before he left, so it took a little extra time. And then uh, he went ahead and cleared, and then we opened up the traffic. And I can tell you, River, if you go in the comments, River City residents really stood up and applauded our, our move. But there are a lot of people that have never stepped foot in River City, and in fact, never stepped foot in California. They were very harsh to us about shutting down the roadway, and they just need to realize this is what our citizens expect. What would you tell somebody that's never been to River City about River City? Oh. How, do you, how would you explain the, the city? In, uh, I've been there. It's a beautiful, glorious city. Yes. Uh, I wish more people went and 
and uh, appreciated it. If you took San Francisco, Sacramento, Oakland, Vallejo, Los Angeles, and then like, I don't know, for the military people, 29 Palms and Fort Irwin, and combine them all into one metropolis, you would have River City. And in fact, if you look at our recent post, we put up a picture of our mounted patrol. Uh, they went for a little horse ride along the river and they took a photo of it. And you can see the urban campers next to them while they were going through the river. It was beautiful. It was touching. It was. Again, I don't think people really recognize true beauty of really what's becoming a utopian type society in River City. It, it is a progressive dream. And really we're the, we're really what we are is the progressive government is really using us as a testing ground to see what works and what doesn't. And it's all working. It's beautiful. Before we move on to a few questions I had, had for you, for they, I really like that the department calls out people for their consumerism. One of the posts that I really liked was the car burglaries are up. And instead of blaming the justice involved people, you really place blame on the people that are responsible for it. And that is the consumer. Actually, absolutely correct. So the problem is that we're calling these people victims. They're not victims. Their white privilege allows them to go out and, and be consumers and buy things that they don't really need. And then they leave it in their car with it locked. It, they're teasing the justice involved. And they need it more than you need it. And so honestly, just leave your car unlocked and let them take it. And then don't call us because your white privilege allowed you to have it in the first place. You're not a victim. So don't call. I want to learn a little bit more about they. What does Chief Sheriff do on these days off? Oh, well, I tell you what I do is um, I spend a lot of time with my significant other. And we like taking hikes and, and enjoying the environment. Uh, we go down and feed the unhoused. Um, we do a lot of time punishing ourselves because we are both white. And in order for us to understand our white fragility, we, we end up spending at least two hours on the weekend punishing ourselves for being white. We know it's not what, our What type fault. of punishment? Because I, I'm really looking for tips. Well, a lot of times we, we, we will whip each other. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll whip each other. We'll hit each other. We'll tell each other that we're scum and we're not worthy to live on this earth. Uh, you know, the, uh, that man was elected because of uh, people like us, you know, and really it gives us a deeper understanding of our, of our white privilege and we turn it around. I do a lot of knitting. I really like drama. You know, I, I wish I got my degree in drama studies, uh, but I did feminist studies and, you know, instead. But I, I do a lot of like the drama in the park and we do Shakespeare plays. That's really beautiful. Thank you. There's some questions that I ask everyone that's on the podcast and you're no different. I don't, I don't treat anyone differently. So the world needs to know Chief Sheriff, what is your favorite patrol vehicle? Chevy Volt, hands down. The, the, everybody probably always says the Crown Victoria. Look, man, the Crown Victoria 
is killing Mother Earth. And we made a post and then you know, right when we set up our social media that we're getting rid of all of our Crown Victorias because they're killing Mother Earth and the V8 engine is killing us. And that we're all going to Chevy Volts. Whether the officers fit in there or not, we, we don't chase people anyways. And the Chevy Volt, it's cute, it's small, it's tiny, and it's it's ecologically sound. Um, you know, we don't. And it's know less threatening. Is. To, it is the Crown Victoria is a very oppressive looking car, where yeah. a Chevy Volt. I don't worry about being oppressed when I see a Chevy Volt. Exactly, it's like you expect the officer to be more friendly. It kind of reminds me of like the bigger officers when they get out. It's like a circus where the bear gets out of like the little tiny car, right? Like that's what it reminds me of. You know, it's like this. You know. And then, but bears are cute and like you love them and you want to hug them. And so when that big officer, you know, that's like six, six, 300 pounds gets out of that little tiny car, he's like that bear coming out. Everybody just wants to hug him, you know? I love it. So Chevy Bolt, hands down. If you make me pick a gas guzzler, it would be the Dodge Diplomat because it's got Diplomat in the name, which conveys a sense of working things out. And it was the first patrol car I ever had. I, I really, truly respect that. What a great name, Diplomat. That's a great police car. I drive the Diplomat. We work things out. We don't beat people. You know, I think the next car that should come out for law enforcement should be named after you. Because you, despite your microaggressions, you are a pioneer in law enforcement. And I think every cop out there listening should strive to be like they. You started Mm -hmm. at the bottom. You did your time on patrol a whole year. You rise through the ranks and you're changing the world. It might be your little corner of the world, but I think after listening to this podcast, it's really going to invigorate people to get into law enforcement. Thank you. That makes me feel good. And you've come so such a long way too. We've been in this podcast for a short amount of time and you're already noticing your white privilege and the things that you say that harm other people. Bravo, my friend. Thank you. Now, this might be a little personal, but one of the things that I'm about is I'm obviously about humanizing bodily functions. And I feel that a lot of people are not truthful about shitting their pants. Chief Sheriff, have you ever shit your pants as an adult? Oh, absolutely. Who doesn't? Look, you don't get to be chief without having your sphincter being a little bit loose because you know, you've got to do things to get promoted, okay? Uh, but to be honest, I shit myself on a hot coal. I haven't been on, I've been to three, okay? But when I have a hot coal, I, I get a little nervous and I shit myself a couple times. And then sometimes I just shit in the sidewalk just to show solidarity with my unhoused friends. I love you even more. Thank you. Love you too. That makes me feel so, so happy and warm. And can I come in for another digital hug? Yeah, let's do it, my friend. As long as your mask is on. Oh, it's on. I got gloves on, too. All right. All right. Hug. Here we go. Is that a digital banana I feel in your pocket? Yeah, I, I am a little excited. It's because, of the, it's because of how far you've come. It's wonderful. Thanks. Before we go, do you have any imparting words of wisdom that you want to give to all the millions of people listening to this podcast if you're an older cop you have nothing to offer law enforcement you have had your time you ruined it it's time to retire quit or move on 
for the younger officers, you're our future. You are what's you are the change, right? Go ahead and keep asking for Christmas off. Keep showing up late for work. You deserve it. And you you want to be a homicide detective after a year? Absolutely, because you have new ideas. And most importantly, follow River City Police on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube, so that way you keep up on the latest trends in policing. We're going to put out little nuggets of knowledge about what to do. And most importantly, when we see departments doing great work, Vallejo PD, you're going to be coming up very soon in our post because you're just awesome work. Um, we like recognizing those other agencies and the good things that they're doing. and it's a good place to apply. Vallejo, Oakland, Sacramento, LAPD, great places to go. And we, 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 if you want to know what the future is going to be, look at our social media, look at the agencies that we're calling out doing good things. Those are the people to follow. Chief Sheriff, again, I really appreciate your time. Everybody out there listening, you know what to do. Do the things that you've done to help this podcast continue to grow. You become a monthly donor. Click the link at the end of the podcast and puts a little coin in my pocket. And that way I can use that money to defund the police. We have all kinds of merch. We have fuck the police gear. We have a cap gear in the poorly made police meme shop. Buy that fight the power, fuck the man, wear that at the next protest. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of the podcast because without them, I'd have to go get a real job. And obviously I'm a millennial. I deserve everything that comes to me and I shouldn't have to work because I am owed. With that said, remember, I love all of you. Bye-bye.